At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome to the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast. They're a bunch of guys who ain't never played the game, and they never got the girls in high school, and they just want to get into the game. <laughs> With your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. See, the thing is, you guys look at me, you see the backwards hat, the uh, gray socks, the funky outfit, and you say, now this guy's a chump, am I right? No, a geek. A, a like geek. Only on the VSIN Podcast Network. All right, very excited for this week's uh, edition of Hardwood Handicappers, or I guess it's like we do a couple episodes a week and we got the show. So whatever it is, Raheem Palmer's with us. Uh, this is, uh, I have been slacking. I've been meaning to get Raheem on. I actually was going to get him on, and then my pesky child had to be born. Uh, so we had to push that back. But Raheem works for Action Network, does a lot of great work, love to read his work, uh, not only in the Action Network, but now at the New York Post, right? How are you liking that? I'm loving it. Um, you know, I feel bad because I, I know you guys had the contract over at VSEN and then Action took it, so uh, I've just been jumping on it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I like it. No, it's good. It's good work. I enjoy reading it every single time, too. Hey, I like to talk to smart people. You know, you get smarter by talking to smart people, and, and that's the way to go. So, all nothing but love over here. So, hey, really quickly, we're in the middle of March, and I think we're we're few one of the few psychopaths who are still paying attention to the NBA while March Madness is going on. Uh, do you take in the tournament in any way whatsoever? I watch it, but I struggle. Like, yeah. I mean, like, I, I love, I love basketball, but it's just, I just wish they would call the game differently. All the charges, all the touch fouls, but it's, you can't help but get wrapped up into it. I mean, like last night, that San Diego State game with Creighton, um, Kentucky getting upset. So I watch, but I'll be the guy who have has a TV locked on Pistons and Magic and watching Sadiq Bay drop 51 points. God, that kid's awesome. I love Sadiq Bay. He, <laughs> he was my pick in our guide last year for Rookie of the Year, and everybody's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, no, watch Sadiq Bay. The kid's sick. He has turned out to be fantastic. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's funny. So, like, it's since I've gotten the title of, like, senior NBA analyst, I'm sure you get this sometimes, too, where it's like, I have to become the defender of the NBA at times. Like, yeah. and, like people will sit there and be like, the NBA is trash. But then they'll watch 42-36 North Texas, Louisiana Tech with all these foul calls. And they're like, this is basketball. Like, no, this fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's rough. It's just people say that there's more passion. But 
I don't see it. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> yep. yep. Uh, all right. So let's get into it. We've got a couple of topics to go over with Raheem. And uh, I mean, there's a lot going on. We got what, three and a half, four weeks left in the regular season of the NBA. So much left to be decided. So I wanted to start kind of in your neck of the woods. Let's talk about the Philadelphia 76ers because this has been quite the tumultuous journey up to this point. Uh, for those who don't know how it started, 4-0 straight up at ATS. They were blowing teams out. Had a couple of matchups with the Knicks, right? But uh, offensive rating of 126.2 in those games, plus 17.2 net rating. Since then, though, 3-3. Three and three. Uh, Harden wasn't on the floor for one of them, if I remember correctly. Negative uh, 4.9 net rating. To me, Raheem, the... I, I'm not. I don't want to say I'm shocked that the defense hasn't been great because that's hard. Like that's hard to kind of integrate, integrate a guy like James Harden who likes to switch, and uh, you know Joel Embiid likes to drop, and, that, and that's going to be things to work on. But what have we seen now over this course? Now we're talking about ten games or so. Uh, what have you seen from Philadelphia that you like and that you don't like? I think the biggest thing that I've seen that I don't like is that the the MB no the Harden with no MB minutes are extremely problematic. Like yep. when you look at with Harden on the court and no MB, they're scoring 120 points per one of possessions, but they're also giving up 124.4. So they have almost a negative four net rating in those minutes. And they don't have a backup center with them trading away Andre Drummond. They don't have a ton of shooting with them trading away Steph Curry. I love Matisse Thibel, but their best shooter right now is, is Niang. And Harden is a guy who... Look, you got to have shooters around him to face the floor. And I love, I mean, Tobias Harris is a good player, but he almost doesn't fit because he's too good to play the spot up shooter role. He's not Mm -hmm. like a natural spot up shooter, like a guy like Harrison Barnes. Like I always said, if if the Sixers had Harrison Barnes, I'd probably be picking him to win the East. But Tobias Harris isn't built like that. He gets the ball and he wants to hold on it. He doesn't hold on to it. He wants to make plays. And yeah, he can't play that spot-up shooter role. So I almost think they should move him to the bench and let him play like the sixth man. But it's just like, I, I just think those minutes are problematic. Obviously, the defense has problems. And look, you got two guys who are totally dependent on going to the line. Mm-hmm. It's like when you look at the Sixers team, I mean, they're getting to the line at will since the All-Star break. But if, if Hart is not making shots, they're in trouble. So... I'm not that high on this Sixers team. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I just I just don't think they can hang with the elite teams like the Bucks. And we saw they can't even hang with the Nets with Kyrie and, and, and Kevin Durant. Yeah, I, I would agree. And, you know, so there are a couple of observations I had. To your point about the free throw line stuff, so it was the second New York Knicks game because they were down in the first half to New York in that second time they played them. And it was like a first half of Embiid and Harden just yelling at the refs, just yelling at them, just trying to get something. They weren't getting the free throw line as often. They were getting extremely frustrated. And it took guys like Tyrese Maxey out of the game. And then in the third quarter, I think Maxey in that game went off for like 16 points because you could kind of see like, all right, let, let's start to finally just get these guys involved. The rest of the offense will come. And sure enough, they end up winning that game comfortably. But I would agree with that. And the, I think the other night too, like you said, Matisse Thibault, he's – you can't use them on offense. So when they're closing games out, like they got Niang out there instead of Matisse Thibel. Like it's, it's, there's, there's so much that is, I think, kind of flawed with this team. They're a good team. And there's, I haven't really looked a lot, but there's no real other help on the buyout market at center, right? Like this is what they're rolling with. It's Paul Millsap and DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. And I, I like, I, I, I tend to think that we're going to have to give Maury an off season to fix everything. Um, just because they just don't have enough depth at all. And I, I just think, Everybody in Philadelphia was hyped. Like, we don't have to trade Thibault. We don't have to trade Thibault. And the first thing that popped into my head is that 
you can't play this guy in the playoffs. He yeah. can't shoot. And all that's going to do is just allow teams to double team Joel and B and play hard and straight up. Yep, absolutely. So when you look at this, like from a ceiling perspective, it looks like right now they're projected uh, three, six with Cleveland, but Cleveland's been slipping. That could be Toronto uh, in terms of a three, six match. So what's their ceiling? Like Eastern conference finals birth if the bracket breaks correctly for them. I think it's the second round. I think, yeah. I think it's the second round. I, I just don't think that they can beat um, Milwaukee, Brooklyn. I'm going to be honest with you. I'd probably be picking Miami over there. Yeah. No, I agree. Well, and where are you at with Harden as a playoff player, right? Because that's – I like analytics and I like numbers and everything like that. And actually the numbers say that Harden in the playoffs, uh, unless, you know, they're up 3 nothing or something like that, he's not been a very good playoff performer. And I think that kind of worries you, no? I, I, I think for me I was out on Harden when they lost game six against the Spurs with no Kawhi. And yeah. the way they lost that, that, that game, it was just – it was problematic to the point where I think it stuck with him the rest of his career. Like when you look at the fact that I think – Two years later, they're playing the Golden State Warriors, and there's no Kevin Durant. They're seven-point favorites at home against the Warriors to take it to a game seven. Chris Paul's playing. You made all these excuses the previous year about how you would have won the series if Chris Paul was healthy. And you go out there, and Steph Curry drops 33 in the second half, and you can't match his output. Like, Steph Curry had zero points at halftime, and you end up losing – it's just like after that, I just can't trust Harden in the playoffs. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to watch, but I think you'll, you'll probably – the way the betting market, I think, seems to like this team, you'll probably get some pretty good value in like a second-round matchup betting against them in terms of a series price, I would think. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Like I'm just – I'm fading this team against the elites. I think they can beat a team like Chicago – who was a good team, but it's just not on that upper echelon. Yep. Well, and they're starting to show their flaws too. I think what are they like? Like two and seven in their last nine or something like that. The offense has been dipping. So, all right. So from there, uh, let's talk about just the Eastern Conference pecking order. So wh- where are you at? Like, where who are your top teams that rank them in order? I, like, I have throughout the season, I, I've kind of been not stubborn, but I've kind of been like, look, the Bucks to me are the best team in the Eastern Conference. They they won the championship. They limped through like January and February, and they don't really care anymore. And you can kind of see it on their face. I keep going back to that Cleveland game where they get beat by like, what was it, 16? And Giannis is in the yeah. presser eating chicken wings, and he's like, yeah, you know, we suck, but it's fine. And sure enough, they're starting to kind of get things back. They get Brooke Lopez back the other day. So I've kind of stubbornly been like, you know, until I see them unseated, Bucks are number one. And I've kind of come around more and more on Miami. Like, I don't really love offensively. There's like that big five that they have. The offensive efficiency is not great, according to Clean the Glass, when all five are out there. But they're so good defensively that I think I give them two. But th- those are my top two. What, what do you make of the top peck and order of the East? My top two is the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, like you said it all. Like, I mean, this team has been coasting. They've had injuries to Drew Holiday. Giannis has missed a bunch of games. Chris Middleton has missed games. Brooke Lopez. Like, you see their defense hasn't been the same without Brooke Lopez. And they're still the second seed in the East. So, I mean, like, I think you get Brooke Lopez back. Connaughton should come back in about three weeks. They're the top seed in the East. Second, I'm going to go with the Boston Celtics. They have – they're first in SRS. And, I mean, their defense is the best in the league at this point. And I think getting rid of Dennis Schroeder was huge. I mean, you, you have a guy who used to take ill-advised shots, break off with the offense. Now you got Derek White. you got another guy in there who could defend, make plays. I, I just think, look, I mean, you bring Udoka in, and they struggled the first month of the season. And I think we kind of forget that bringing in a new head coach with a new system, it changes things, and it takes time. And – I think he has this team rolling. To me, I think 
they're a contender if Jason Tatum can make that leap from good player to MVP type candidate. And we saw it happen in the Brooklyn Nets series, I mean, game where he yep. dropped 50 plus. So if he can be that guy that we know he can be and he that stop taking all these f- tough Kobe like fadeaway shots, I, I, I think the Celtics are a true contender. So I have them second. And then look, Miami is a great team. I mean, I think they, they have the culture, but I don't necessarily trust them offensively. And yep. I think that's where I gotta, I gotta put Brooklyn third. I, I, I'm just noting. Really? Yeah. Like, I mean, my, my colleague Matt will kill me for this, but I just think when you got Katie and Kyrie together and Katie's probably the best player in the league, like to me, the net, like, you look at that game against the Mavericks. The Mavericks are rolling right now. KD almost single-handedly won that. Yep. So <laughs> I think if the Nets get into the playoffs, they're scary. So I'm going to go those three, and then I'm going to go Miami. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I, I don't necessarily disagree when it comes to Brooklyn. I mean, like, so I've been betting Brooklyn on in these road games, right? Like, I've been all yeah. over them in these road games because him and Kyrie together, they're incredible. They're absolutely nuts um, from the offensive stand. And when they're serious, by the way, like that Philly game where you actually saw like Kyrie Irving try on defense and they actually wanted to go out there and beat the shit out of them, like that was a really good effort. Uh, and I, that looked really scary. And I'm glad you brought up Boston because so one of my favorite futures tickets, and I just grabbed it because it was way off market. I haven't had 66 to one to win the NBA finals because like I think it was MGM had not moved and they were like a 30 to one everywhere else. So yeah, I'll grab this. Why not? They defensively, they're the real deal. And you mentioned getting rid of Dennis Schroeder. Derek White has been the perfect fit for them off the bench. He's a good transition player. He plays so fast and he's good defensively. Like I, the more I watch them, especially defensively, the more I come around, I'm like, sure. It was a number grab at first, but now I'm like, all right, like I'm kind of in on Boston, you know? Yeah, I actually grabbed them to win the Atlantic Division at plus 900, like about about a month ago. So it's just like, that's kind of live for me right now. Yep. All right. So from there, Mm -hmm. uh, let's let's talk about it kind of ties into Boston because they're a fantastic defensive team. So Mm -hmm. the awards race has been kind of right, like six man of the year is wrapped up coach of the year. It seems to be wrapped up. Monty Williams should win that thing. Either that or J.B. Bickerstaff could be, I guess, a minor Mm -hmm. upset, but you can understand it. Um, most improved is going to be jaw rookie of the year, still up for grabs, but you know, right now, Mobley, this is pretty mm-hmm. high. It's like a minus 900 favorite. So let's talk. I want to talk defensive player of the year because defense mm-hmm. in any sport is a fascinating conversation, but especially in the NBA, because you got to watch and pay attention. You could throw out metrics and whatnot, but mm-hmm. right now we have a new favorite and that is bam at a bio to win defensive player of the year. So where are your overall, like where are your overall thoughts with this award at this point right now? I like bam out of bio. I, I, I think, he should, you know, probably be the favorite or at least top two right now. And I think similar to Rudy Gobert, um, Rudy Gobert, um, him missing time, you got to see how much his presence, I mean, his lack of presence hurt the defense. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not mad at him being the favorite. But to me, I think Mikhail Bridges should win this award. Okay. Like, look, I mean, for me, it's just when you look at the precedent of this award, you got to have a top five, top 10 defense. And he's, he's the biggest reason why the Suns are second in defensive rating per cleaning the glass. I mean, you got a guy who can, he's blanketing star players. I mean, we've seen him, you know, put the works on James Harden, Steph Curry, Anthony Edwards, Jimmy Butler. And 
look, they're missing their top star in, in, in Chris Chris Paul, who just makes a huge impact. And the biggest reason why the Suns continue to win games is their defense. So I think Mikel Bridges has value. Um, I took a little flyer on it, but Bam is probably going to win this award. Um, I know Rudy Gobert has been the favorite at, like, at many times, but I think there's so much voter fatigue when it comes to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I wouldn't place a bet on that. Giannis is up there as well, but the Bucks haven't been great defensively. So they did, neither one of those teams fit the profile of a guy of a team that should have the th- defensive player of the year. Like you got to have a top five, top 10 defense. Yeah. So I, I find this race is pretty crazy because so Bam makes the push recently on the odds board now becoming the favorite. And I was thinking about this, like, you know, I guess maybe it's because of time missed for, for Rudy, but he's actually missed more games than Rudy Gobert. So I don't think that would really make that much sense. So fatigue yeah. would make sense if it's going to be. Um, a guy like Bam Adebayo. I'm gonna throw a name at you because you mentioned you know teams that are top ten. I, I, I don't know if you've been you've been seeing my campaign on there, but the, the uh, yeah my 301 ticket on, on John, uh, Jared Jackson Jr. to win Defensive Player of the Year, and I'm you know I'm you know me I like the NBA I watch it I'm pretty like I pretty much realize he's probably not going to win this award. My question has always just been why not. Right. Like yeah. we, we could talk about league leader and blocks and all that stuff. But the, like you mentioned it, he's the best defensive player on a top 10 defensive team. He yeah. is uh, among the league leaders. I think he actually might lead the league, at least in terms of centers and three points contested. So he is forced to go out on the perimeter and do more than other bigs. Usually he's not a block yeah. hunter by any any means whatsoever. In fact, he's a power forward. So like it's not like he's just dropping back and drop coverage and smacking guys away. Mm-hmm. Like I've just I, I'm kind of resolved to the fact that he's probably not going to win it. But I'm more like, you know, why isn't this more part of the conversation that Jaron Jackson Jr. can't win Defensive Player of the Year, you know? I totally agree with you. Um, Like, I watched – there was a New York Knicks game, I'd say, about a week and a half ago, and the Grizzlies were down 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 points. And Adams wasn't in the game, and Jaron Jackson Jr. completely took over defensively. And I watched that game, and I'm like, this is his tape for Defensive Player of the Year. I think the problem with Defensive Player of the Year is that it's so reputation-based. Yep. And I don't think people even catch on. I think you're a year early. Yeah. And it's it's so frustrating because if you're watching – this year, you're seeing, oh, this guy is the, the defensive player of the year or should be a top one, two, three candidate, but it's just they're not going to catch on until late, till next year. Yeah, I do. Every time John Moran tweets out Depoy, I'll retweet it. So <laughs> it helps to yeah. a certain extent. But you're right. That's the most frustrating thing about these awards sometimes, you know, being reputationally based and, and getting into the minds of voters and, you know, listening to podcasts and finding out. Yeah, I was listening to Windhorse podcast the other day. And uh, they were talking about defensive player of the year. And they're like, ah, it's, you know, it's either Rudy or Giannis. And I'm like, really? Like, we're not even talking about Jaron or Bam Adebayo or any of these other guys. So, yes. Yeah, the crazy thing is Draymond had this award locked up. Yep. But he's only going to max up, max out at 48 games. So, yep. it's just he's out of the question at this point. Yeah. And Mikhail Bridges, that, that was, I was texting my colleague, Mitch Moss. And this is like a week ago. I told him, I was like, I got a hunch. I'm like, if you want to get off Jaron Jackson Jr., I was like, I would put something on Mikhail Bridges. You're still getting him at like 18, 20 to one. And like, yeah. It's something worth looking at, but all right. Well, we move on from there from defensive player of the year. My heart is broken. It's a great ticket. I think at 301, but uh, <laughs> ultimately it's not going to, I don't think it's going to hit. So let's go over to uh, let's go to the bottom of the Eastern conference here, because one of the things Raheem that has driven me nuts over the last couple of weeks uh, has been the market's affinity for the Atlanta Hawks. And look, I've been betting against them. So it's not like uh, yeah. I have been like, it's not been the worst thing in the world, 
But this has been now, they fail to cover seven consecutive games now. Mm-hmm. And every single one of those games, the market has moved in their favor. It's something that I've just not really understood here. And I feel like the market's chasing ghosts. Like they keep thinking this is the team in the Eastern Conference Finals from a year ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can't even, uh, we should probably address the fact that they were in the Eastern Conference Finals more because of the collapse of Philadelphia than their own play. But that's something beyond. I just, I've been fascinated with the market's affinity for the, the Hawks who are dead last in the playoff race or play-in race. And they're just going to finish 10th. And they've just been insanely underwhelming. Like, can you wrap your mind around why somebody and like the betting market loves this team so much? I mean, first things first, you got a star in Trey Young who, I mean, he can go out there and drop 40 at any time. And I think the biggest thing is that you're seeing a shift in the NBA this season. The Hawks are third in, in offensive rate. They're scoring 115 points per one of possessions. Typically, if you're third in offensive rating, that should put you in a place to where you're, you're easily in the playoffs. So you look at those Portland Trailblazers teams of the last couple of years. That's who this Atlanta Hawks team is. Um, they can score, but they can't play defense. They're 26 in defensive rating. And typically, you're, you're in the playoffs with that. But this year, I think the more balanced teams are more successful. And so I, I think people are struggling with that. Like, yeah. you've got to be able to play defense this year. And for whatever reason – their defense is just so bad that they're just not able to overcome and win some of these games. Like even in that Hornets game, the the line, I think they open up as dogs. Yep. They close as favorites. They're winning the majority of the game and then don't close. And obviously they're missing John Collins. John Collins has been significant for them. So I, I think people just aren't catching on. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I was watching it. I was on the Hornets in that game too, watching that. I was like, oh man, this is where they're going to burn me. And sure enough, those fourth quarters haven't really been good for them. Um, and I was, oh, and that was the other thing too. It's like you would think with a team that has Clint Capella, DeAndre Hunter, and Bogdan Bogdanovich that it'd actually be kind of a good defensive team. And that just hasn't been the case. Yeah. It's, I, I'm not sure what the case is. I, I just, it just feels like last year was just a fluke. Yep. Like they just caught lightning in a bottle and it's just not, I mean, Nate McMillan, I, I don't know. He was solid last year, but I just don't know if his rotations are the right are just correct. And then also, I just think the bench is a lot weaker as well. Like Lou Williams, isn't the same guy. Love Lou Williams to death, miss him from his time in Philly, but he's not the same guy. The bench isn't the same. So this, this, this team just isn't what people think they are. Yep. All right. So Eastern Conference playing at this point right now, Toronto Raptors uh, percentage points behind the Cleveland Cavaliers for the sixth seed. So right now they're seventh. Uh, Brooklyn Nets are eighth. Charlotte Hornets are ninth. And then the Atlanta Hawks are 10th. It's actually a pretty fascinating play. And I will ask, I'll ask you this way. Um, Toronto Raptors, is it going to be them or Cleveland in that seventh spot by the time we get to the, uh, the postseason and the playing tournament? I think it's going to be, it's going to be, Cleveland. Yeah. I mean, Cleveland's in a total tailspin right now. They just, I mean, obviously you're missing Jared Island. He's supposed to come back. He said he's not going to get surgery. So that should be able to help them out. But this is not a team with a ton of playmakers. I mean, you got Darius Garland, who I love, and you bring in Karis LeVert, but this not, I mean, offensively, you can't trust this team. And then the defense is falling off a cliff without Jared Island. So I think the Raptors are rolling right now. They got another game against the Lakers. (laughs) Meanwhile, the Cavs got to play Nikola Jokic, who's probably the MVP, without Jared Allen. It's like the the Raptors are probably going to be the sixth seed by tonight. 
Yep. Uh, and uh, by the way, too, uh, my my uh, shout out to Doug Kazarian works over at ESPN. I had him on the podcast during the All Star break, and mm-hmm. uh, he he was touting Cleveland to miss the playoffs at twelve to one. Uh, that was right there. And now you're talking about a play-in situation where you can play in Brooklyn in the first round and the winner of Atlanta and Charlotte in the second, and that's going to be tough for him, man. It's going to be brutal. Oh, that's a good. That's a good bet. My um my coworker actually, I mean Matt Moore. He actually has Cleveland to make the playoffs at big at a big price, and then took it around the All Star break for them to miss the playoffs. So he's yeah, good. Like pretty much on a free roll right now. I was gonna say, <laughs> I just sit back and whatever happens happens. That's a good situation to be in. All right, well, let's shift over to the West play, and then because and we'll, we'll wrap up on this because this is the one where I, I think this is going to be really interesting and fun. So I got the Pelicans to make the playoffs at plus four forty about two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the shift now we have all the injuries and the COVID and all that stuff has kind of derailed it. But this shift to this new starting lineup that they got, uh, I mean, that was a really big move by Willie Green. And I think it was actually your colleague, Matt Moore, who did tweet something out like, you know, if Willie Green had done this at the beginning of the year, whatever it was, he'd have a hell of a resume for coach of the year. He's been pushing the right buttons for the Pelicans. But, I mean, Timberwolves, I've got a lot of preseason futures on the Timberwolves, like over the win total, which already got there, make the playoffs. Chris Finch is coach of the year, which he's not going to get it, but still. Um, I think the Timberwolves are going to get that first spot in terms of the West play-in. So now we're talking about the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Pelicans for the for the final seed in the West play. And I see this thing breaking down. Tough, just because I mean, like when they when the Pelicans came out of the All Star break, they had won four straight. Yeah. They had the best defensive rating in the league, and then Brandon Ingram gets hurt um, and hamstring injury. We all know, like we see it with Hard guys. It, it takes a while to recover from them, and. If you push it, it only gets worse. So I'm going to say that, I mean, they'll probably make it over the Lakers, but it's just, it's the Lakers. And I mean, LeBron James, they, they look, I mean, I was watching that Lakers game the other night against the Timberwolves. Cat picked up three fouls in the first half. And yeah. it felt like the rest were trying to do things to keep the Lakers in it. But the Lakers are just so, the Lakers aren't an NBA team at this point. Um, the Pelicans are just one game behind. So, I trust them over the Lakers at this point. Yeah. I mean, the, the stumbling block is the Clippers. The Clippers just try. They like that's that's the big thing for them. They just try every single game and every single possession. Ty Lue, man, I was I got into an argument with my uh, my co-host, Matt Humans. He was trying to disrespect Ty Lue. And you know, man, I'm a Clippers fan. I was like, yeah. no, I'm like Ty Lue's done an amazing job with this team the two seasons he's been there, man. He's been freaking awesome. Oh, my colleague gets on me so much because I I love Ty Lue. Like I I look at Ty Lue, and I said this last year, but he is from the Phil Jackson coaching tree in the sense that he's able to get the, the most out of top-tier talent. But then this year, he showed us that he can do more with less. Yep. And I like I, I just think he's probably one of the best coaches in the league. He didn't get credit because, obviously, he coached LeBron James. But you saw, like, he – I mean, he has some of these guys, like Amir Coffey and, like – just guys off the bench just playing better basketball than I've ever seen. Like, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not a fan of Glenn Rivers. I don't yeah. call him Doc because there's only one Doc in Philly, and that's Dr. J. But it, it's just Ty Lue just has these guys believing. Like, he's one of my favorite coaches in the league. Absolutely. They, they, look, like you said, Glenn, he uh, he had a full-strength team, and uh, he was he was getting eliminated in the bubble right after a 3-1 lead. 
ties down two games without Kawhi Leonard, and they come storming back and make it to the Western Conference Finals. And I will always say, even though I'm a Clippers fan, uh, had the uh, Valley Oop gone a different way, there's a good chance they win the Western Conference Finals. But uh, that is neither here nor there. I had futures on the Clippers last year, and it broke my heart. Uh, at, when they went down, when they were down three two in the Mavericks series, I bet them at eleven to one to win the finals. I was like, they, they, they're going to be fine. Like this is going to be fine. And sure enough, man, it looked great for a while. Ah, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, sure it's, did. Especially as a Clippers, <laughs> especially as a Clippers fan, man, that looked like it was it. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, Raheem Palmer again uh, over at the Action Network. You can find the work there. I recommend highly uh, checking in, taking in everything that he has to offer. And you changed the Twitter handle. Um, what's the story behind it? Um, basically, I look. I was a DJ for a long time, and look, I mean, I just I, I switched over to a new career. I'm, I'm professional, better media <laughs> media guy, and I was like, I gotta I gotta change up to something that people will remember. Um, I do these radio shows. People always ask me my Twitter. So I just decided to go. I wanted to go with Rostradamus, but Rostradamus was taken. Um, I'm a Nas fan. We all know he had the album. I am, well, he had two albums in the same year. I am Nostradamus. So I was like, let me go with I am Rostradamus. You know, I predict NBA games, NFL games, boxing. I was like, let me roll with that. Um, and I think it's picked up pretty heavily. I think people like it. Yep, I've seen it. All right, man. Hey, I appreciate the time. It was good to talk to you. And we'll get you on again right before the playoffs start, all right? All right, no doubt, man. Good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you too, man. Take it easy.